0: In 2020, 51.2% of U.S. females received mental health services, while 37.4% of males received mental health services. On this show this week, Joe and I will discuss mental health, and we brought on with us another dude to help us out, and he's also a dude in progress.
1: Hey, Joe! What's shaking, my friendly pal?
0: (laughs) I'm excited this Saturday morning to talk about a topic I think that's awesome, and we had one of our listeners suggest this topic, which is always something we love when our listeners listen to us and then bring topics.
1: Kurt, you forgot to say hello to our very special guest. I didn't forget. That's your job to introduce him. None other than... Are uh, I guess you know what I'll I'll go ahead and call him our the dudes in progress UK correspondent. <laughs> I'll steal that one from from Simple Joe. All yeah. right, uh, I'm okay with that. The the dudes in progress UK correspondent himself, none other than the King of Walks, <laughs> Kevin Curtis Allen. <laughs> Hello,
2: Chops. How we doing, sir? So?
1: Whoop! I turned away.
2: <laughs> what are we doing there, Kurt? <laughs>
1: oh boy, here we go. Well Kurt audience. cannot get Kurt cannot get enough of his sound effects, can he? <laughs> this is amateur hour. What's going on? <laughs> We're all professionals here, Kevin. Kevin's got his own podcasting. Some are more professional than others. Career yeah. happening. That's right. Kevin has his own Kevin has his own podcast as well. Too. Uh, Kevin,
2: go ahead. I've got Brits Guide to Disney Vacation Club and That Florida podcast. Of which You've been on, Joe. I have. I have, talking about Daytona Beach. Yeah. And that other retro breakdown there has been on the other one, so we don't need to talk about that. Did I mention Crabby uh, Joes when I was on that show? Um, yeah, about 45 times it became a drinking <laughs> game,
1: I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, Kevin suggested uh, this show's topic, anxiety, and uh, dealing with anxiety and working through anxiety and gen- just general mental health issues. We're awfully glad to have Kevin on today because he is fresh off of a very significant event in his life. he He walked around the entire Isle of Wight in the UK. He Kevin lives on the Isle of Wight, and for a very important for a very important charity, a charity that's near and dear to my heart, and I know it's near and dear to Kevin's heart because of our own life experiences. But I'm going to ask Kevin to tell us about what he did. Why he did it, and a few of the things that resulted from him, uh, few uh, the impact that it had on him uh, personally, and just a few stats and statistics regarding this event.
2: Right, well there's a coastal challenge on the Isle of Wight, which uh, obviously go- goes around the full circumference of the island. And my good friend Kurt there was under the impression that it was a lovely paved walk. We <laughs> heard me which say it that. isn't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where we get these impressions, but uh,
0: why did I come up with that? And there was so much fun when we were talking on a Facebook chat live. I'm like, "He's Kevin, be careful!" I'm looking down. He's talking to me, and you're in a very precarious predicament, climbing down a wall
2: or something. Yeah, I was climbing over driftwood and and stuff really? like that on a very roughly cobbled beach, <laughs> which was uh, fairly fairly much some of the some of the uh, worst ground out of cover, which made me chuckle. <laughs> but yeah, I did. Um, I've done a few of these charity things before in the past. Uh, my sort of back history is I was a uh, marathon runner when I was much much younger, so I've done a few um, challenges and things like that. Uh, after losing my mother to Alzheimer's six years ago, and it was six years ago the weekend I did this challenge, I was looking for something to do to raise a bit of money. And obviously these days I'm not as fit as I used to be, so we've uh, reduced ourselves to walking, I'm afraid. You know, I looked at uh, local challenges, what we could do. And the, uh, the coastal challenges around, I think it's just over 75 miles on the map. Now I live in the middle of the Isle of Wight so I walked out basically from the middle in Newport out to Cowes and turned left. And that's when I first uh, video chatted you on those small little gold cannons are on the uh, seafront there. Cowes is very uh, famous for the regattas in the summer, so the sailing regattas, and they had, that's what sends off the sailing regattas are those cannons. So I started there, turned left and kept going. I did 27 miles on the first day and my approach was to get to Allen Bay which Allen Bay is a small attraction park on the island and I'd hoped to get there in time to do the chairlifts down to the to the beach and then get a small boat out to the Needles which is where you see the the lighthouse there but unfortunately weather turned against me on the first day and it rained and they closed the the chairlift so we never got to do that uh, on the second day, I walked from Allen Bay to Ventnor, which was 22 miles, all along the coastal path, what we call the Military Road, which runs right along the coast. And as Joe saw and has has said, I was walking, I think, six feet between an electric fence and a hundred and foot plus drop off a cliff, sheer cliff edge. So the path goes along there. There's no There's no barrier. There's only electric fence there to keep the animals in. We're not worried about the humans. And you talk about an anxious
1: moment. When I'm watching Kevin walk through this, uh, I, I could hardly
2: stand it myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funnily enough, it used to make me twitch a little bit the first couple of times I walked that that stage, but it doesn't bother me at all now, hardly. There is a ridge where you walk up, and it's about six feet wide, and you've got 100-foot drop-off, sheer drop one side, and about a hundred foot drop the other side, but it, that side you could roll down. That's a little bit more gradual. I mean, it'd hurt you still, but you could roll down, and you've got about six feet of path to walk across. You know, one of these crazy things where you're up in the air. And I did that on the first day, and that brings you down into Allen Bay. And then, like I say, along that military road where where you see me, Joe, the, the, the scenery, and that is a benefit to your mental health, to be able to get out in that sort of, Sort of countryside and the sea one side of you and and the rolling hills the other side and some of the the monuments to um, Tennyson Downs and things like that. It's just incredible, a beautiful part of the world. I'm really lucky to live on. The paths, it, it's fallen away in a couple of places, so we I uh, do a couple of diversions, so I added a couple of miles. So then day three was fairly easy. It was only 19 miles around from Ventnor to um, ride. Where I videoed, and I think, did you see the um, hovercraft come in there, Joe, on onto the beach? Just as I uh, just as I started, that was day four, which I did ride back to Cowes and back into Newport, and then from Newport I walked back out towards the coast to the crematorium where my mother and my father are, are uh, interned. And we finished the challenge there after adding up all the miles. We done 87 miles in total in three and a half days. Holy smoke. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering Kevin, how you physically held up through this physically pretty good. No mm. blisters, no, no real hassle with my legs. Like I thought I was going to have, because of course most of the people listening might know I broke my leg quite severely a few years ago. And, uh, Funnily enough, it twitched a little bit yesterday when me and my wife were out for a walk. But um, yeah, I didn't have too much issue. I managed, I managed uh, to, to get round without falling down or hurting myself. That was the main thing.
0: I love counting my steps and challenge myself in walking. How many steps per day does that make it out on average? Um, Come.
2: Around the thirty to forty thousand steps over the three and a half day were a hundred and sixty five thousand six hundred and forty steps. Holy smoke. So now we know the
0: what what we gotta work towards, Joe, <laughs> if we want to do a challenge like this. That's amazing.
2: Calories burnt nine thousand two hundred and thirty one. I thought
0: you were looking really
2: thin. <laughs> Flight <laughs> Flights it says flights of steps. Three hundred and seventeen. Right. Because of the, wow, I did a little video of uh, one particular scramble or flight of steps. It took me two two and a half minutes from the top, from the bottom of the valley up to the top of the cliff top, and that is through like wooden steps, stairs, just grass uh, tracks and stuff like that. And I got on to the top there, and I was blowing some. I was definitely blowing mm. some, but that's <laughs> out there on, on the internet. And How many total steps did you say it was? 165,640. Four days. Uh, the, in three and a half. up, yeah. And the interesting thing is, I've discussed this with Kurt, you've got to be very careful when looking at statistics with something like an Apple Watch or a Fitbit because those have to be put in very accurately. You're not going to take the same stride length every time so my apple watch would record anything from three miles difference to my gps over a day Hmm. Hmm. so if you think on on day one it was saying i did 22.7 miles and in actual fact via gps i did 27 oh wow okay okay so that my apple watch is out (laughs) by whatever because if you put in i'm five foot eight on a good day and my stride length is whatever you're not taking the same stride length you're not necessarily you know walking at the same pace or or what have you so you have got to watch it gps is far more accurate all right but it's a guideline isn't it so you did this walk
1: kevin to raise money for the alzheimer's association right And various communities participated in this uh, in this event to donate. How much total did you uh, did you collect for Alzheimer's for the Alzheimer's Association?
2: What was your expectation? Well, on yeah, I don't know if you you guys have looked, but if you go into your Facebook accounts and you go into um, click on your Facebook account, click on on yourself, and it brings up memories. All different categories, and it brings up fundraisers in those categories. And if you click on your fundraiser, you can create a fundraiser. Now you can create this fundraiser to start X, Y, and Z. And if I don't know if you've noticed on your birthday, very often it allows you to create a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. I know I always stick mine as Alzheimer's because the way I look at it is, if someone wants to chuck Alzheimer's five quid on my birthday, they're not coming around my house and giving me a fiver. So they may it may as well get Alzheimer's, hasn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. so that was that's the way i've always liked it and i've done around 200 pound every birthday give or take for the last three or four years so to me that's free money for alzheimer's and research and stuff like that so i set up it through facebook it's a piece of cake to do but the only issue i had was uh using a qr code that facebook gave me wouldn't just wouldn't link with the the giving page so a colleague at work Got me onto a website and I created my own QR code, printed up some um, back posters using the QR code and using some photographs of my mum and my father-in-law who had Alzheimer's as well and and stuff like that. Explained what I was doing on the poster. Posted them, would at work? Uh, in the coffee shop I'm in, regular Costa in town and in, in, around the, the island. And uh, obviously, I posted it on my Facebook page and uh, shared it. In amongst every, every area there and everywhere, really, my expectation was I'd probably get a few hundred quid, maybe five hundred. I set a, t- I set a, I think, I think the sm- smallest you could do is a thousand pounds. So I was, I'd have been happy if I'd have made it halfway there. Crazily, I think by the first day I'd done seven eighty eight, um, and it topped out. Last time I looked, and I will look now because we did it, you did it live, didn't you, the other day? I think it topped out the other day somebody nipped on because I was recording with them and I said how much I'd raised and it was £1,300 I don't know what that is in your weird money 1700 I think Thirteen, £1,300 I raised to today yes, dead £1,300 because it was 12, £1,295 when we recorded um, my Brits guided Disney Vacation Club for this month, and one of my co-hosts went back on and put another fiver in to make it up to thirteen hundred. So with this, you get so when Joe, because Joe Joe was very nice to donate when he he donated, it come up and said Joe's donated, it come up saying Kurt's donated, and uh, each so you can then message them individually um, and thank them. So it's a really nice personalized way of raising money with very little effort on your behalf really it works very well it goes directly to the um to the cause you choose and obviously it's not just alzheimer's they're pretty much any charity here in the uk i could select from and i'm assuming it's the same in america so it works well it's a nice easy thing there's none of this going around collecting money that people have promised you and all that business it's all done electronically and it works great I know i did get stopped interestingly enough, I was walking I, I was walking along Sandown Seafront and these handful of bikers came past and they stopped. I turned round and came back and I thought, it's a bit weird. And Joe, they pulled in front of me. One of the guys got off and walked up to me and I thought, hello, here we go. I've got a couple of walking canes here to defend myself. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, are you walking for Alzheimer's? And I said, yeah. So I've got a poster on the back of my rucksack. I'm like walking with. And he said, oh, give me a minute. And he went back to his lads, come back, and he put £50 pound in my hand. That's awesome. £5, £10. Pound. They almost had just given him a tenner. And right. uh, Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was nice. Another lady, I was walking, she said, excuse me. And I said, oh, yeah, what? She said, stop, I need to scan your your Q, QR code. And she donated. So, yeah, and um, some of my in-laws, obviously my in-laws were really affected by it because, uh, we lost my father-in-law to it, and uh, so they gave me some cash, and I bashed that on over here in the UK. If you're a taxpayer, you can you can get extra money by tapping a, a box in the UK um, to to do the tax for that. Well, obviously, everybody that I did, I did that for. So yeah, it's uh, I've raised thirteen hundred. I don't know what percentage of that we get from the tax man as well. So it's all uh, it's all very straightforward and easy to do. Awesome, and I. I just looked it up; it's
0: sixteen hundred US, which yeah. is phenomenal. Congratulations!
2: Yeah, I mean, someone asked me how long I've been in training. And I said, "Well, hmm. I started walking when I was one, so I suppose about fifty-five years."
0: <laughs> well done! Still p- quite a bit of walking to do in a four-day period, but you're you're in great shape, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Matt, I got one. I got one tip to share with you i don't know do you know what vaseline is do you have that make in america we, we, we do. do man that's that's the thing to put on your feet <laughs> you won't get blisters if you put that on mate. you won't get blisters if you put that on thank
0: you for that kevin <laughs> and kevin i met kevin through my my geeking on walt disney world podcast joe here we go <laughs> <laughs> but uh That's a great tip. If you're going to Disney World, we certainly can put in lots of steps. That's some training for you. Kevin, I'm Hold on, hold on, hold on. Just a second.
1: Just a second. Just a second. Kevin walks 87 miles, raises $1,600 for Alzheimer's Association, has all kinds of personal and mental epiphanies during this walk. Puts himself in physical danger with 100-foot drops on each side. And biker dudes tapping him on the shoulder. Almost attacked by bikers. <laughs> <laughs> and the best takeaway that we have is put Vaseline on your feet. <laughs> Gentlemen, we can, do, we can do better than He's that. He's a simple man, Joe. <laughs> okay, Kevin, here's my question for you, and then we'll get into the, the meat of our show. Honest to God, honestly, transparently, two things, very, very succinctly. Why is Alzheimer's so the Alzheimer's Association so important to you?
2: Well, we lost, well, I said, my mother to it, and Alzheimer's or any dementia, basically, you lose that person twice. Okay, now when they get the dementia, you lose them; they're gone. Sometimes you can get them back. I mean, my mum. If you if you played music stuff like that, you, you you could get her back. But you've lost them. They're gone. And then guess what? It might be three, four, five years, and then they die. So you've lost them again. Right. And they and you can watch them just deteriorate in such a absolutely horrific way. The picture on on my poster. I I actually phoned my brother in law and said to him, look. I want to use this picture, but I want your permission to use this picture because my but father-in-law, when he was in hospital, looked like he'd come out of a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And it was an awful, and I put that on there, but I asked permission first. because I said to it, Deborah, I said, are you happy with me using this? She said, no, I want to use it. People can see it will work. Because I used a, a photograph of him at our wedding when he was giving his daughter away and a photograph of him about six or eight weeks before he died to just shock you into looking at him going, and I mean, it was just horrific what he
1: went through. It's a devastating disease. Uh, It's it's impacted my family. It's a devastating, tragic disease to watch your loved one uh, deteriorate like this. Uh, So my next question is, if you can think of one, just one, big takeaway other than Vaseline on your feet
2: from this walk, what would it be? I think you don't appreciate that some people what regard some people hold you in. I'm just I'm just a dude over here, mate, stacking shelves and earning a living. I'm nothing special. I've never considered myself anything but that. But there are a lot of people out there that 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 think so I, that I I walked around an island for God's sake, it wasn't anything much. To me, it, it wasn't a big, I, it wasn't a big challenge. And as I said to Kurt coming up to, up to this, I'll be fit enough to do it or I won't do it. You know, if I want, if I'm going to do something, I'll make sure I'm fit enough to do it. I mean, I may not have shared that with everybody because I want to do think I was going to fail, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, it it's um it's surprising what what some people will do to help you and what and maybe on the flip side, other people won't so that awesome I
0: love your awesome. answer, Kevin. We know we've talked about this you and I and Joe and some of our other friends. we've got some amazing people that have responded to our our podcasting in the communities and the you know we can it's just phenomenal the people that support us so I I love that answer, Kevin. All right. I'm going to take you guys through. Kevin brought us this topic. It's so related to mental health. And what I did, guys, is I did a search, a Google search on some of the top books that I could find on the topic of mental health. And one of them that stuck out to me right away was this book called Stop Overthinking 23 Techniques to Relieve Stress. Stop negative spirals, declutter your mind, and focus on the present. And I think stress and anxiety, you talk about Alzheimer's and dementia, and yes, I have that in my family tree, and we're going through this issue right now with my wife's mom. I'll be going visiting her in a, in a place, in a nursing home. This afternoon, so I'm well aware of that, but you know this I, I gave some statistics about females that receive mental health fifty one percent. I think the thirty seven percent of males, I think that's just guys that aren't comfortable with that topic and don't go to see professional health when help when they actually need it. That's my take on that. But I think our everyday environment is pretty rough. And it's really shocking to me on this, this topic, how many people suffer from all these things. And I just want to say right up front, we're not doc- I'm not a doctor. If you need professional health help, please, we're going to go through a bunch of things here. I've, I remember doing these health surveys for work. We do this every year. And I was really surprised when at first we started getting these questions on mental health. And I really assumed I had a problem with depression and anxiety. But when I read through the questions, questions like, have you missed work because of your mental health? I'm like, nah, I've never missed a day of work. (laughs) I've never been in a depressed state where it's really impacted me that well. But some of these things we're going to talk about, I'm going to tell you about the first chapter a little bit and describe what overthinking is. But I really want to get into a de-stress formula because I've only read a couple chapters in this book, but I really like this very first one. And we'll get into some of those things. I want to get we'll go over some examples. You guys can help me talk about these strategies, these four techniques and it's going to be of stress management. With that intro, any response
1: from that, Joe? Well, Kurt, I I, I understand that that the vast only a minority of men seek mental health, uh, seek mental health help. Right. Uh, and, and I can certainly understand why our, our culture still, I believe, uh, has this idea that guys pull themselves up by the bootstraps and they, they don't necessarily, uh, need anybody else's help. In fact, it's a sign of weakness when you, when you admit to, uh, being depressed or feeling blue or, uh, having, having some of these issues. I think as a culture, we're getting better at this. Uh, but I certainly understand that the vast minority of men, uh, that the minority of men seek, seek help. And, and I, I want to change that. I, I, I certainly have had issues in my own life with depression and anxiety and, uh, I And I understand the subject very well personally. Uh, so I, I, I just hope that we're able to, in a very small way, uh, move guys forward in this subject. You know,
0: Kevin and I are, are good friends. We've known each other for a while. We had a really interesting conversation. I, I do a, a Patreon version and I interviewed Kevin. And Kevin, you actually kind of surprised me. You shared some stories on that yeah. episode. And I think you have an interesting story how you ended up in the Isle of Wight. But uh, can you uh, just give me a a reason why you wanted to bring this
2: topic to us? Well, if you go back to sort of like where we grew up, I mean, we're of of a similar age and I'm assuming it was similar in America, but let's just say this was in the UK. So you've got three, I've made three categories of mental health, right? So you've got your anxiety and your depression and your bipolar that type of thing. So mm-hmm. basically pull your socks up, pull yourself together. That was how it was always basically looked at. No one talked about depression in the 70s or anxiety. Now we're we're realizing it's a medical condition. So nobody chooses to be like that. I've got a family member who suffers really badly with depression. I say, yeah, I suppose she's a family member. And she suffers really badly with depression. And her behavior, because of that depression, affects other people in the family. And other people in the family go, oh, well, she's just... And I say, well, would you choose to be that way? That's mm. that's where I've always got in with mental illness. I've always thought, well, you wouldn't choose to do that, would you? You wouldn't choose to be depressed. A person that's on medication now and has been for years and somebody that has to take medication to get to sleep, medication to get up and medication to get through the day, that to me is not a good a good situation to be in. And to, and is that the only way she can function? And it's just because it's woman does and there's probably plenty of men out there, I don't know, but mm. just on the depression side and the struggle there. And it's very difficult for other family members to appreciate it because it's affecting them in a negative way as well. You know, that she's doing things that are causing issues within the family, for instance. And it makes it makes it so difficult to deal with. And everyone said, well, you just can't say she's depressed, so she's done this or said that or whatever. And that's caused an issue.
0: You bring up a great point. It's... I. It is the most frustrating thing for people that you love to see going through any of these issues, anxiety or depression, because you feel so helpless. There is That is my experience and the feelings I had of having family members that I cared about. That's a great point, Kevin.
2: See, now, Joe, what Kurt was getting at, when... <coughs> Oh, I just knocked me pop- drink off. Sorry. <laughs> what? Okay, what Kurt was getting at? When I moved from Oxford down to the Isle of Wight, we'd lost. Uh, we had stillborn children. We had stillborn twins in two thousand, and in the the next two or three years, obviously, we it was a real a, a terrible time for the family. We had a young boy, and now we were we we'd got this tragedy happening in our life, and then we were trying to. You know, obviously, have a family, and it was really difficult. And I was working long hours, and, and I had quite a responsible job. I was a shift manager, not shift manager, and I, you know, I was getting a lot of stress with that. And you know, and at the time, I didn't realize what I but I just stood back, I thought, well, I've got a choice. I can put my head down and work like crazy and ignore it, and we end up in the divorce courts. We end up. You know, all that could happen. I could see all of that happening. And, it, and the statistics, I would imagine, for people that go through that and lose a child and then I end up in divorce courts and stuff like that is incredible. But I just had to make the decision that the family came first. And, you know, I'm only talking, what was it, 20 years, 23 years ago? But that wasn't wasn't the case. You know, my boss did not say to me, you've lost two children, Kevin. Go home and be with your wife," he said to me. "You're still all right to go and do that job at such and such, Mm. yeah. Yeah. There was no recognition, yeah. There was no ket, yeah. And we both worked for the same employer, so he he knew Mm. our situation. Whereas now, if something that happened, I'd hope to Christ that that there would be more
1: support for them
2: and compassion. And obviously, that you know, my wife suffered with with depression after that to an extent but she's so strong man she's so strong it's well, you're incredible British. The way.
0: <laughs> don't you have a stiff upper lip
2: yeah and i'll tell you what it's even worse mate <laughs> we, it's always worse than joke, I know. we always joke about <laughs> i never cry and right. I, I, I did try my very hardest when i made a thousand pounds but i still couldn't do it Kurt. i'm sorry
1: <laughs> you know leaders i believe leaders have a responsibility uh to lead uh, to lead their people and whatever a leader means but to lead their people even in even in such a way that they may not they may not feel like they need to be led for an example uh i think a responsible leader in this situation now this was this was 20 years ago so let's grant let's grant some grace here uh it was a different culture but i think a responsible leader in that case would have said to you Hey Kevin, you don't have an option here. Take a few days off. Let me know when you're ready to come back. Uh, but for now, you, you need to go spend time with your family and heal. And not even not even giving you the option to say, "Well, how you feeling there, Kevin? You think you're okay to take on take on this job?" Because you're going to feel a que- a question like that, putting you yourself in that, putting you in that position, uh, is irresponsible of a leader. Uh, the responsible leader would say, no, the, the, the right thing for Kevin, despite himself is to give him a few days off and even force him to take a few days off. Maybe you need more than a few days off, whatever it takes and, and not to put yourself in the position of saying, well, yeah, I think I need to, I need to just ignore what I'm going through here and go back to work. You know, and I think
0: Joe, they lost a good guy because kevin did take hold of this issue and changed his lifestyle dramatically for yeah, the I, better of his family and
2: his mental health i think you know i could see what was coming so i just i did exactly i tell you what i did i sat down at home and i did a google search we weren't happy where we were living I did a Google search, and the Isle of Wight came up as one of the cheaper places in in, in the country to live, purely because we've got that stretch of water that costs an arm and a leg to cross. <laughs> 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 so, um, so I I managed to sell sell up back in 2004, moved down to the Isle of Wight. Get this statistic, Joe. Wait for it. I was 37 years old. I paid my mortgage off. I had no car debt. I've not been in debt ever since. I don't owe anyone a penny uh, since I was 37. and I'm now 56. I've got no debt. That's awesome. I own two, I own, I own the property living, I live and I've got another one I rent out. I've got no mortgage. And I haven't had one since I was 37. And then when my I came to the situation, well, I won't go into all it about work, but basically I had the option of transferring down and their big hold was, well, yeah, if you transfer down, Kev, we're not going to be able to give you that position you're holding in the company now. You're going to have to go as a normal employee. And they thought, ridiculously, they thought I was going to say, no, I can't. I've, I've got to retain my management position because I need that salary. And I went, great. I went, what? So, no, brilliant. That's fine.
0: <laughs> that's a good feeling. <laughs> I
2: think, what? Yeah, so, no, that's fine. Yeah, we'll do that. Thanks. Right. And, and because I mean, yeah. because they were so confident that because I was going to drop from maybe earning, a th- maybe drop a third in salary. So let's say, say a third in salary, but I wasn't going to pay a mortgage. I didn't have, I didn't, what I'd done was I didn't buy another car. So I didn't buy a brand new car every three years or anything like that or lease one or anything like that. I just, the car I'd got, I kept, I bought a new, I replaced it as and when I want to replace it. I don't need to, I walk to work. I walk to work. So that was one of the other things I said to them. We'll buy a house, we'll walk to work, we're, we're, we'll we have no debt and we'll put everything down. Because if you, again, I've not got to worry. My biggest outgoing is a, is a bill that goes out once a month, which is called council tax. You know, that's about third or fourth on most people's bill list. My outgoings were so little, I just cut it right down. And Kurt knows this, but I mean, in this house that I renovated when we moved over, I've got wood burners. Just today, when I came back from camping with my wife, when my neighbor stopped, me and said, oh, Kev, I really want to get rid of those couple of trees in the garden. And I've got a lot of old wood. Do you know someone to price it up and get rid of it for me? I said, "Price it up. I'd do it for nothing." And they said, "You can't." I said, "I said if you want that old timber moved, just got rid of, I'll take it. I'll use that for firewood." I said, "And if those two trees have got to come down, when they should have come down years ago, I'll have them down for you, no problem, for because I'm not going to charge a bloke to 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 do that work because at the end of the day, that's going to be firewood for two winters." I love this, Kevin, because this is a key
1: element of handling mental health, handling stress, and making a decision for your life, the best decision for your life and your family's life. And it it just shows, here's a real life example that it can be done. And sometimes you have to do it for your for your own existence. So well done, my friend. Good
0: intro to this book i'm going to give you four a's of stress management i want you guys to respond to these kevin's already given us a great example we, hopefully i can get we can give you some more the first chapter of the book talks about where does stress come from is it inherited or is it from your environment and the the study that they've reviewed says about 20% 26% i think it was comes could come from your genetics but the rest of that comes from an environment. And guys, we know we live in a stressful world. Let's just all agree on that. There's no getting around it. Our modern life is very stressful. And if it's persistent and overwhelms our ability to cope and thrive, we can find ourselves just exhausted, depressed, and even have these anxiety disorders. And the body's fight or flight response that was has been evolved to keep us safe but it wasn't meant, we've talked about this before, Joe, it wasn't meant to stay in a heightened state of arousal indefinitely, and that's where we get into trouble. So with that, I'm going to get into some of the, this, this is just one of many, I can't wait to finish, I'm actually getting interested in this book, but the four steps of stress management are avoid, alter, accept, and adapt. So let's talk about avoid, Joe. The first thing you can do in stress management is avoid the situation. Joe, do you have anything in your life that's stressful that you can avoid?
1: You know what you can you you have to think forward. I have a I have a couple things going on in my life right now. Uh I am still going through the rebuild from the flood way back in January. Uh, I'm still, that's about 90% of the way, uh, 90% done. uh, And I'm still uh, dealing with the insurance for reimbursement on that rebuild. That is, uh, that is top of mind for me right now. And it's quite honestly something that I think about a lot. So how do I avoid, how do I avoid those situations? Uh, How do I avoid that situation? Uh, I think that you can avoid stuff by creating a distraction. Uh, by allowing yourself to, the, the thoughts are there, but you have to create a distraction to avoid, to avoid those thoughts. Give yourself a break, go, go do something that will take your mind off of, uh, off of whatever you're dealing with. I can't avoid this house. I can't avoid the flood. It happened. I can't avoid the, the insurance, uh, issues they're going on. Uh, the rebuild is taking the time that it 's taking, but what I can avoid are is ruminating on the thoughts of what 's going
0: on and Joe, hold that thought actually because I think the other three are going to be more helpful in your current situation i 'm thinking right. of more simpler things, like you know i am I have road rage <laughs> right I think Joe and I have talked about this. I don't know if you're as bad as I am, Joe, but, you know, when I'm driving down the highway and someone's going up on the right-hand side, now, I know this is tough for Kevin to understand because we drive on different sides of the road, but someone coming up the highway going 90 miles an hour in the in the right lane <laughs> drives me insane. Now, I can avoid that. One technique I've used is I'll drive in the right lane at the speed limit, And everybody has to pass me on the left. (laughs) So that's the kind of thing. These are, you know, I know right now it's Saturday in my town. I swear, guys, people are getting worse on the roads. I don't know what's, and I think I'm now heightenedly aware to it. I had somebody, when we were going to the nurse home last Saturday, did a U-turn in, like, a major intersection. Uh, And I said to my wife, did you... (laughs) What? they just did a u-turn right in front of us and someone almost it almost caused an accident because the guy was trying to pass him on the left and the other guy in front of him did a u-turn i was like wow it's crazy so road rage drives me nuts so there's things i do like kevin said he started walking to work <laughs> you know that's how you avoid these things that nag at you kevin do you is there anything besides walking to work that you avoid that is stressful
2: yeah, yeah well Interestingly enough, my boys are both working at a place, and I drop them off at work in the mornings. And quite often, it's sort I mean, there's not much of a rush hour on the Isle of Wight, I can tell you that. But uh, it's busy at that sort of time in the morning, as busy as it gets over here. And I'll always let out the uh, delivery drivers. Now, like, we don't have UPS over here, but there's a company that basically do the same job as UPS. And there's two or three drivers, and I can see them daily. And always, if I come to a junction, even if it's my right of way, I'll let them out. My son said to me, it's not; your, it's your right of way. You could go. I said, yeah, but that bloke's trying to earn 40p a drop. So he gets 50 cents a drop. I'm just taking you to work, and you're already early. Yeah. That's the way I avoid it. Because these, these drivers, they're all in hurry. They've all got much, far more important things to do than I've got so i just let them go today i was towing back from the campsite so i've got a trailer The trailer's on the back of the car right i'm letting people out <laughs> i'm not worried i've only i'm only going six miles down the road back to home i've just been down, out for a, a couple of nights why am i there? let them go yes. let them get on with it i
0: love it all right the next one joe If you can't avoid a stressful situation, you might find ways to change the situation. I think you're going to like this one and you can alter it. For example, if there's a builder making a racket outside, politely ask them to pause for 10 minutes while you finish an important phone call. (laughs) So you got to communicate your needs and feelings directly rather than suffering in silence. So Joe, I know the other thing, I think this is going to come up in the next one too, but I know uh, something you've said is a... Very important skill is to say no also to certain things
1: that might stress you out. I I believe that the ability and willingness to say no may be one of the most important skills that we can develop because a lot of stressors, a lot of anxiety come from over, uh, uh, over committing ourselves and thinking that we can do everything saying yes to everything. When you say yes to everything, you're serving nobody. Uh, And you're, and you're certainly causing yourself more angst and more anxiety than you need to in your life. If we can learn just to say no to requests, to obligations and whittle our whittle, those requests and obligations down to just the critical few, that are most important in our lives. Kevin had a great example he already
0: gave us. He had the opportunity to stay a manager. <laughs> he just said,
2: nah, perfect example. And do you know what? The, the incredible thing is that the pension that I was on at the time, there was a thing called, in the small print, called Best Two. Now, the idea is the best two years of your career base your pension. And the two years previous to when I moved, I'd actually been working away from home a lot, doing refit work and earning the sort of money that even now I would love to be earning. So that pension came forward and I'm now taking that pension and it's you know, over two thirds salary. So yeah, it worked out all right (laughs) for me. Because of that, but I chose to drop from a responsible job to a, a job without responsibility, but then the problem flipped on me is that I'm now in a job watching people do the job I used to do badly. <laughs> that can be stressful. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
0: We're going to talk about some ways that maybe you can deal with that, Kevin. That's a great thing. And Joe, I, I have a question for you. I
1: see you're getting ready. You know, when it, when it comes to saying no, there's a, there's a couple things about about saying no, that that one, one important thing about saying no is even if you've said yes to something, you can renegotiate that. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you've committed something to somebody, yeah, uh, uh, there's, there's a certain honor and say, no, I said, yes, I'm committing to this and I'm going to do it, but is it worth it? Uh, I've told this story before and you guys have, you have lived it with me. Uh, I was the president of our HOA here in, in, uh, in my community, in my neighborhood. And I completely dropped out of that HOA on the, I dropped out of the board. I dropped out of the role of presidency and, uh, left it behind. And it was the best decision I've made in the past few years. Uh, because I could not, I, I could not commit to it anymore. And that no has freed up so much more in my life, uh, over the past few years, that, uh, I'm so glad I, I'm so glad I did it. You can renegotiate those yeses and for the sake of your mental health, knowing Joe Kevin, for
0: as many years as I have. And we have Saturday morning conversations about this, these topics all the time. One thing Joe is very good at is having difficult conversations with people and being direct. Right, Joe.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you have to have those conversations. Uh, Sometimes I can be too direct (laughs) and uh, I've had to learn that skill. Uh, A a graceful no is better than a blunt. No, a no of context is better than just leaving it up in the air. Uh, But uh, I would rather have the skill of being able to have the, have the hard conversations than not having that skill at all. I'd rather have to learn how to have a hard conversation gracefully than not being able to learn not being able to have, to have that hard conversation. In general,
0: some of these examples of hard conversations, Joe, how have they turned out in the end? I know we, we have trouble having these conversations because we're afraid of the consequences.
1: People don't sometimes we can create a narrative in our own in our own mind of what something's going to be and how something is going to turn out. And and if you're if you're anything like me, I lean to I lean towards the negative sometimes. <laughs> overthink, and think, and overthink it, and think it's going to uh, completely implode on me. Uh, that said, uh, usually people are have grace and they have understanding and they have empathy. And once you make your case and you have that hard conversation,
2: typically it turns out okay. I'll give you a, an example of being yeah. direct when you shouldn't be really. <laughs> I right this week. This week we're at work and we have these meetings and we discuss takings and targets and all these really interesting things. Most employees are not interested in at all. Yeah. And I'm stood in front of this manager and he's obligated to take this meeting because that ticks one of his boxes for him to get his bonus. Okay. So he's to get his bonus. He's got to put all his things in line, and this is one of them. So that's why the meeting's happening. Okay, so he's reading off, we are 15% up year on year. We're having a fantastic year. This has happened. We're doing this in takings. Our losses are this. And I says to him, no, he says, we're 10% up in takings. And I says to him, um, you're 10% up in takings, but the price of groceries has gone up 15%. So we're 5% down then. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're 10% up. He you said, couldn't no. say you couldn't keep your mouth shut. Okay. <laughs> no, if you if you if you listen to the news, every broadcaster saying groceries are up fifteen percent year on year. You're bragging about a ten percent increase. Yeah. Do the maths. <laughs> How did that go over? He didn't like it much, <laughs> but. I was trying to explain to him and and, and no. he was saying about, "Oh yeah, 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 but we're doing, and he's gone about losses and stuff. I said, Listen to what you've just said and <laughs> what I've just said, and then we'll have that conversation, and we never had that conversation, but at the end of the day, what I was trying to say to him is, I also had to look, 'Look, we've got employees here that are going to food banks Well, i've got I've got colleagues working with me." And now I volunteer down at a food bank on occasion and they're walking in there and they go, because they've seen me there and they're obviously embarrassed to be having to go to a food bank and still being, they're an employee. They're not, they're not, they're employed. They're not, um, you know, not homeless or anything like that, but the food prices in the UK, now I suspect it's the same in America. It certainly looked like it when I was picking up some of the bills for the food at Disney last year before. (laughs) are so high that even if you're employed, that doesn't guarantee you can afford to go out and buy groceries. I know. That's not right. No. And if that doesn't lead to depression and anxiety, I don't know what will. Well these next two guys are tougher.
0: I'm gonna give you some more examples. So if you can't avoid a stressor, ask what you can do to change it. If your answer is not much, then you might need to go one step further and accept it. How do you accept a situation that you dislike? First, if you dislike it, then you dislike it. Acceptance doesn't mean pretending you don't feel how you feel. It's an acknowledgement that it's okay to feel that way. So if your girlfriend breaks up with you, there's not much you can do about her decision. But you can work on accepting the situation by calling up a friend and sharing your feelings. You know, Talking things out definitely feels a little bit better and helping to accept it. If the situation is one in which you've been wronged, acceptance may take the form of trying to find a way to forgive. Remember that forgiveness is something you do for yourself, not for the other person. You know, when you forgive you, you're releasing yourself from the stress and energy of resenting and blaming the other person. So, acceptance may also be about the subtle shifts in the way we frame events. So, instead of saying, "Hey, I completely failed my course and I wasted my money. I'm such an idiot." for not working harder, you can say, I made a mistake. I'm not happy about it. But this one event doesn't define me. I can learn from mistakes and move on. I can do better the next time. So guys, can you give me an example of how you can
1: accept something that's stressing you out? So there there's one question uh that I've learned to ask myself. In situations that I have no control over or in situations that you can't reverse your decision, there's one question that I've learned to ask myself. What if this is the best thing that could ever happen to me? What if this is the best thing for my life? Instead of saying all hell's going to break loose and my life is destroyed from this point on because of this situation. What if this is the best thing that ever happens to me? What if I look back 20 years from now and say, wow, had this not happened, I would have never been on this path because that's an option too, isn't it? absolutely and all it is is a mindset shift to frame if you can if you can think about if you can think about the negative you can think about the positive you're
0: mentally framing it totally differently which is what this guy's suggesting this is mental resiliency you go through hard things the question i've learned to
1: ask myself is what if this is the best thing to ever happen to me that's a great one
2: here i've another podcast i'm listening to which is called parent in hell in the UK. (laughs) <laughs> which is run by a couple of comedians, Josh Widdicombe, one of the comedians. He has a uh, a philosophy which I which I've started to live by. He has himself what they call an idiot tax. Right, okay, so he sets a thousand pounds for idiot tax each year. <laughs> so, I was out on my walk the other weekend, and I dropped a phone and cracked the screen. I got really <laughs> frustrated, and I thought, no. That's part of my idiot tax for the year. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. And I, do you know what that I listened to that and I heard it and, and I thought to myself, you know, you just got to put that, that's out. I mean, I know, I know that the, what the money situation you've gone through with, with that water is, is just not comparable, <laughs> but for the yeah. small things in life that can frustrate you and, <laughs> and really wind you up as my wife would say, just, the little things, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: I might need a bigger tax than a thousand pounds for my idiot tax, Kevin. But, I, I but love it's a philosophy. Concept. It's yeah.
2: it, what I liked was like, yeah, you've just got to appreciate in a year you're going to waste a thousand pounds, ten thousand, whatever you're going to waste. You're going to waste it, like you say, if you if you paid for a course that you're training on and you didn't get the qualification you wanted, it's part of your idiot tax, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I love that. That was, that was, you know, I was either called an idiot or stupid at school. So one or two of those, um, those, those were used to uh, explain me, but there you go. We all learn by being idiots.
1: That's a fantastic strategy for, especially if you're somebody that, you know, leans towards anxiety. Uh, If you're somebody that, that, you know, lean, leans towards some mental health issues, planning in advance is a tremendous, is a tremendous tool that you can use. And that's part of the idiot tax, right? You've you've that's set it. aside so much money on a monthly basis, on an annual basis, because you know, at some point you're going to be a bonehead. <laughs> you know, at some point, somebody else is going to be a bonehead. Yeah. And so if you've prepared for that boneheadedness, then the The stress has gone away. you're not trying to figure out where's where am I going to get the money to replace this phone or where am I going to get the uh the money to uh rent this car because uh I've wrecked it or whatever it might be yeah, you've already planned in advance, and that's a strategy if you know you lean towards anxiety it's a strategy for anybody really to plan in advance right but especially if you if you if you're somebody that deals with anxiety or or some of these other mental health issues. Plan in advance. Understand that you're going to do something boneheaded. You're going to be an idiot or somebody else is.
0: I was thinking, Joe, Kevin and I, of course, are great Disney World fans, and I hate crowds. (laughs) If you hear me say I hate crowds and I love to go to Disney World, that that doesn't make sense whatsoever. But part of our podcast, we talk about how to plan in advance. How do you... Avoid crowds at Disney World. We could give you lots of tips on how to do that. And mentally, I have to prepare myself. If I'm going into a situation where it, I know it's going to be a really crowded situation, like a, the fireworks at Magic Kingdom, Kevin and I know, it's wall-to-wall people. And people are stepping on. I know people are going to step on my heels. They are going to cross right in front of me. I have, just like my road rage, I have this people rage thing, too. Like, And I know that I have it. I'm aware of it. And I mentally prepare myself when I'm going to be in that kind of situation. I also try to put myself in, in ways I can beat that. All right, number four. In the longer term, this is the last one, we do our best in the face of stress when we can adapt. Adapting means making more lasting changes in our worldview, our goals, our perception, and expectations. Picture someone who is a perfectionist. And is always stressed out because they never seem to meet their high standards. <laughs> Joe is going on this topic right now. The best approach isn't that they find a way to be Superman, but instead lower their expectations so they are more reasonable in the line of reality. Adapting to stress means we change ourselves to better cope with life. I'm talking about developmental resiliency.
1: Dudes, I believe strongly. That lowering expectations rates right up there with the with the ability to say no. If you can learn to readjust what your definition of success is, and we talked about this last week, if you can learn to readjust what your definition of success is and lower those expectations, you get to celebrate more often. You get to celebrate with more people and have more moments of joy just by lowering expectations i know it sounds cult uh, counterculture and counterproductive to succeeding but if you can lower your expectations so you're able to move forward on a regular basis you will you will ultimately succeed more than if you have Uh, unattainable expectations and unattainable levels of success. Can you give me a direct example, Joe, of where you've adapted or lower your expectations? When I first started to uh, exercise and create a morning routine, I had this in my mind that I was going to do two hours every morning. I was going to exercise for an hour. I was going to read for Uh, so much time and meditate for so much time. And I was never able to do it in the very beginning. What I ultimately did is I said, okay, success to me is meditating for one minute. Success for me is stretching for one minute. Success for me is reading for one minute. And I put a one minute limit on each one of those, each one of those portions of my morning routine. And if I did each one for one minute, that's success. And by doing that, I was able to get up every morning, think about, okay, all I have to do to be successful in my morning routine is do each one for one minute. And after I experienced that success a few days, for a few days, it built on itself. And that one minute became two minutes. Very quickly uh, became five minutes, became 10 minutes, became 15 minutes. And before I knew it effortlessly, I was, I had fulfilled uh, the morning routine of about an hour and a half to two hours. So by lowering my expectations, I was able to create a reframe what success means and create a joy uh, in completing a task uh, instead of beating myself for not obtaining my beating up myself for not obtaining the goal.
0: Fantastic. All right, Kevin. As we've all established, you're you're much older, <laughs> and you've had lots of life experiences. <laughs> Have you developed some mental resiliency over the years? Yeah, I just think,
2: really, the, someone said to me years ago when I was stressed out. I saying, "Have you got the ability to change what's going to happen?" No. Don't worry about it. Pull it in a balloon and let it go because you can't do nothing about that now the other 50 percent that's where you should concentrate your energy on what you can change there's no point in me saying you know they're building a road out here i can't change that or your girlfriend who left you like i said <laughs> <laughs> right i can't
0: change <laughs> I, hit, a, my, I hit a nerve my,
2: my wife's been threatening that for years <laughs> she's still with you though Kaf, and we, she's delightful we have a we used that when, when the kids were small we used to have a saying was if we split up we're gonna fight so hard about the kids because I don't want them and nor does she <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason
0: we stayed together I don't
2: know why we're still together I've never now.
0: heard it put that way but that's brilliant <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. I'm sorry I interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, at the end of the day, you just got to concentrate on what you have got control over and what you haven't got control over, let go. That's that reduces your problems by 50%. I want right. to add that a little bit. There's a we talked last
1: week about perfectionism. And there is a classic symptom of perfectionism and that is thinking you have control over too much. And the problem is, you can always find something in a situation that you think you can control. That you think, okay, well, let, let's take the construction work, for example. You think you can't control that construction worker, right? That construction's going on. You can't control. You can't. You don't think you can control uh, the outside noise, the blocking traffic, but the classic uh, overthinker. Or the classic perfectionist will say to themselves, well, no, I can go down to city hall and I can, I can put together a protest and I can go and I can go, uh, uh, gather up the community and, and stop this. Uh, the classic overthinker, the classic perfectionist may take themselves down that road. So you have to, you have to think about not only what you can't control, but what are you willing to invest? to control and you have to think <laughs> yeah, the of, what cost. is the cost you have to count the cost for this effort and because we think we can control more than we can and the classic overthinker or the classic perfectionist uh, that creates anxiety for themselves will say well i can control this count the cost i'm thinking of
0: kevin's example of the boss that had no compassion for his situation. I mean, he could have had a a tough conversation with this boss. I don't think he could, you could never have changed that situation to to fit what you needed at the time, Kevin.
2: Yeah, possibly. At the end of the day, I I belong to the um, philosophy of. If uh, you got that bleep button there, <laughs> hit that. I do. <laughs> if it works it ain't. if it ain't broke don't fix it you know my yeah. my father said you're a, my father always called me the bodger he would say oh yeah you'll bodge that up but is it working dad does it work but that's not that's not the right tool that's not the right way to do this oh if you're gonna build that you need to do this sort of joint and that sort of joint and you need to invest in this now, now my travel would take six months to do a job that i'd do in a day and a half (laughs) you know my way of thinking was if it's working if it's fixed it's good enough it's good enough yeah
0: good enough why
2: spend all the all the anxiety in the issue? i mean i tend to do more better work now than i perhaps did when because i couldn't afford anything and obviously having a young family if you just want to get it done don't you and get it done and get on with it. But yeah, that's my philosophy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it works. When, when is good, good enough? When is
0: enough, enough? Those are great things to think about. Guys, I think you got more to say, but I want to finish and go on. But that's the four A's of stress management. Avoid, alter, accept, adapt. When you find yourself feeling anxious, pause and run through each of those In sequence. Great
1: job, guys. I want to add that you have more control over your mindset than you think you do. Yes. You have more control over what you allow to to stay in your head than you think you do. Recognize negative thoughts. Be aware of the negative thoughts and shift those negative thoughts to something more positive. Uh, Really really question when it comes to negative thoughts question the evidence ask yourself is there proof for these thoughts or are they just based on some assumptions that you're making on outcome you really have more control over your negative thoughts and your mindset than you think you do and we'll we're going to have another episode about mindset and about control how much control over your mindset that that you have and what to do. I don't think you can control the initial thought, but you can control
2: what you do with it. Would you guys say that it's never as bad as what you think? Oh yes. Oh, when yeah. when you dread something, it's never as bad. The outcome is never as bad as what you think, is it? Well, wow. Taking childbirth out of the uh, equation anyway. I
1: don't know who taught me this, but it's a very simple saying that we've all heard. It's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems.
0: Yeah. What's that saying from... I'm not
1: Monty
2: Python again.
1: <laughs> Always no. look
2: on I... the bright side of life. <laughs> Oh, dear, dear. You Americans, you do like some rubbish. The Mark Twain saying about
0: the things that he's worried about. I spent most of my life worrying about things that never happened. Mm
1: -hmm. That's awesome.
0: Very true. Very true indeed. With that, Joe, I want to know, do you have a win for the week?
1: I do. So we had a 30-day weight loss challenge. Back when we first started the show, and Kurt and I did pretty good during that 30-day weight loss challenge. Uh, What's I, happened I since then, I've Joe? Lost, don't call me out yet, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, I think we lost—we we each lost about 14 pounds during that, didn't we? Right around there. Saw, yeah, yeah, right. Well, since then, I completely fell off the wagon. All right. <laughs> this week, I'm back on. I've okay. cut. I'm not going to dwell on the past. I'll just tell you, I fell off the wagon. And the pants are a little more snug than they should be. You know you're getting fat when you think sweatpants become business casual. Right? <laughs> He's working from home now, Kevin. When when you hold up a pair of sweatpants and you say to your wife, can I wear this to the wedding? <laughs> and then when you decide to put suspenders on your sweatpants, now it's over. <laughs> I've not reached that point yet, but this week, honestly, I cut way back on my carb intake, eliminated everything with sugar, no sweets, no candy, no ice cream, uh, nothing, uh, almost all very low carb food or meat. And I've done this probably a dozen times in my life. I've always said I've lost 30 pounds, 30 times. I can lose the weight. But I always forget how good I feel when I cut back on sugar. How much better I sleep when I cut back on sugar or eliminate sugar. How much clearly I think when I cut back on sugar. So I cut way back on my carbon take, eliminated everything with sugar. Uh, Even dinner last night with friends. Uh, I have a couple friends that we almost weekly we have dinner with. And almost every, every time after dinner, we go get ice cream and we didn't do that this week. I didn't have pie at the, at the restaurant. So I'm cautiously saying I'm, I'm back on the wagon and I had a great week. Uh, I've lost six pounds this week. Fantastic. And so I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good about it. Good
2: job, Joe. Yeah. Kevin, I'm not sure if I, well done Joe. Joe, you know, a you know, a thing that's saying, don't you? you can't ex- out exercise a poor diet
1: that's absolutely right the 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 key to weight loss is always calorie intake now how you achieve that it, there's many ways but it's always calorie intake versus calories burned and you cannot you cannot kevin uh, outbeat that formula it's funny when you get on a treadmill and say you spent say you spend you spend an hour on a treadmill hitting it hard right and you look down at that treadmill, and it you press the button that says calories burned, and it says two hundred fifty. <laughs> what? <laughs> I ate two hundred and fifty calories on that t- two spoonfuls of ice cream that I had last right. night.
0: You're right, Kevin. I'm not You're sure right. if we prepared you for this, but you listen to our show.
2: Do you have a win for the week? Oh yeah! Uh, all right. Oh yeah. He's got a win. Yeah, I've got a win. I went away with my wife for a couple of nights really nice romantic getaway in our uh, trailer. <laughs> it's a teardrop trailer, right? <laughs> yeah. We tested out our new, um, shelter t- this weekend. Outdoor? It's perfect. Is it an outdoor shower? Shelter. Shelter. Oh, not shower. I'm sorry. Uh, our outdoor shelter. Yeah. We got it up and we can put it up. It's a tent. It's- then. You're saying oh, it's a tent. You're not going to understand. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's yeah. It's an outdoor shower. It's so it's, uh, fly sheet it's a um, yeah I suppose you'd call it a tent, but it's a bit it's a bit bigger than that it's 3.5 metres by 3 metres and we can get that up and erect and fitted out full done in less than 10 minutes and we can put okay. it away in 15. Wow so that's my win for the week because I can do it on my own but, I, but we, with me and the wife we can do it in 10 minutes we add it up and erect in 10 minutes so I was well chuffed with that I know it's a small win, but, you know, small things and all that. We don't think any of these things are small at all. And I had to cook breakfast twice this week as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. Nice actually, job. Mar- Margie and I are going to go out shopping for a tent, if you want to call Or it's more of a gazebo, something we can put on the deck The. To- stay out of the sun. I'll
2: send you, i send you a little video of the one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, definitely send us. It's a Quest Pro 6. So it's three and a half meters by three meters and you can put it up in 10 minutes and it's got stock. It'd be ideal for that. You could say so you can have it where it's just, um, like mosquito. Right. Uh, all four, all, all sides, or you can have it so it's all enclosed, so no one can see in as well. I love it, but yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a nice piece of kit. It's not cheap. It was a big investment, but um, yeah, it, it, they are the business.
1: Kevin, share that in, our, in the Dudes in Progress Facebook group if you would.
2: Yeah, I've got a little. Yeah, I've, I've I've got a little time lapse of me putting it up. Oh, I that's think awesome. somewhere on my phone. I love that. Thank you. My win
0: for the week was I said no to a project like immediately. And the reason I was able to do that, and this was someone who is difficult to say no to, I would think. You probably have people like that. There's something, they're, they're kind of demanding, and you've maybe taken it, taken on those things that you probably shouldn't have. But I, I had already decided if anyone asked me for one more thing, because the way we project management, we do have a threshold that we have all agreed on, and I'm already at that threshold and so I was already predetermined. I think Joe mentioned this during the episode. And I, I was just, I can't take on anything more. And that definitely relieves stress. And I told them, listen, I'm full. I've already made commitments to several projects already. And I can't start for a couple of weeks at the minimum. And they accepted it. So that was fantastic. Again, that's a small thing, but as we know,
1: no, it's a These big little thing. things add up, right? Uh, I think if you look and it's one of those, one of those big things that we don't recognize as a big thing, yeah. Kurt. And, uh, but if, if you would, if you would have said yes and looked back at that moment, you would have said, man, I wish I would have said no. Absolutely. But, be- but because you said no, you may not recognize that this was a very significant moment for you. Maybe for the next year or two. Yeah, I was very proud of it. I thought about it later that day. You should I was, be. I thought about it. You should be. Yeah. And Good for you, thanks, man. Thanks, dude. I love stories of people saying <laughs> no. I really do. Because that's, I think it's the most important. I've said this a thousand times. It's it's the most important skill that I think we can we can develop.
0: thought it was appropriate for this week. And I'm just going to my, keep my resources obvious. This is the book I'm reading, guys. Stop overthinking. 23 techniques to relieve stress. Stop Negative Spirals, Declutter Your Mind, and Focus on the Present. That was $3.99 in Amazon Kindle. So there you go. It's a top book on this
1: topic. Joe,
0: did you have a resource? I do. Uh, It
1: is a standing desk. I bought a standing desk a few years ago. Uh, Used it consistently when I first bought it. Then... I stopped using it. I continued to use the desk, but I stopped raising it. I stopped standing at my standing desk. It's a desk that you can raise up and down and stand for a while. And I've heard that sitting is the new smoking. It's very bad for you to sit for long periods of time. And I I bought this standing desk, but I stopped using it. Like I said, to the point where I've completely forgot that this desk is raisable. (laughs) <laughs> I have this handle right here that I move out of the way when I do stuff. But still that that handle has become such a such a part of my of my desk and looking at my desk that I just overlook it. Completely forgetting it, forgetting that it's raisable. I rediscovered that 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 handle right there works and I can raise the desk up and down. And it's refreshing to stand at a uh at a desk and uh, still do your work and lower it when your legs get tired, but stand as long as you possibly can. So this standing desk that I have, uh, is my resource for the week. And I invite you to look into a standing desk, uh, if you can. And if you start using a standing desk, don't forget that it's a standing desk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you got to be conscious of this more now that you'll be working from home full time, Joe. Great Correct. one. Correct. I don't know, Kevin. You gave us one great resource which is that tent he's got another he's got three of them did just say? I
2: got I've got one a relatable a couple of relatable ones but one in particular koala wellness meditations podcast mm. our friend heather brainard that to me is at the moment over the last couple of the episodes you've done is a really good resource so koala wellness meditations i'll um, send you a link to a episode i just listened to one while i was waiting for you guys to turn up today oh great how often
0: does she do her show
2: she does i think she releases one one a month roughly they're about that's what i thought they're between sort of six and 15 minutes and they're breathing exercises and stuff like that and they're really good i mean i tend to listen to them when they're because i i'd listen to heather read the um telephone directory i don't you know i I don't need it to be about (laughs) wellness
0: I appreciate you mentioning one of our friends.
2: Yeah, it's re- she's really good. She did used to do a podcast with her son, and then she started doing this one um, on meditation, which I listen to every time it comes out, and then re-listen to. If I'm having trouble sleeping, I'll stick it on and listen. This to is a, This is Heather Brainerd. Yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, I know Heather as well. Heather Heather did some copywriting work for me uh, a few years back. She's a fantastic writer. Uh, so she did some copyright work for me a few years back.
0: Yep,
2: yep, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. She's, awesome. Yeah, lovely woman. I'll that's a lovely couple. Out. Her and Richard.
1: But yes. yeah, her podcast
2: definitely recommend that as a resource. And then the second one, this is this is gonna uh, this is a curveball. Merlin Bird ID, an app. So I'm I'm not sure if it's available on those medieval things you use, but on Apple. It's called Merlin Bird ID. Now, the reason why I started using this was when I was out walking. You remember that walk we talked about at the beginning of this podcast? I remember. I could um, I could hear these birds, bird song, and I couldn't identify them. Well, on the Merlin app, you just go in, you open the Merlin app, and it says Sound ID. You click on that, and it will tell you what the bird song is in your garden. Now you have to select your location. So obviously I select Europe because apparently Merlin hasn't got the um, memo that we're no longer in Europe. But there you go. <laughs> you select that and then it it comes up. And today, for instance, I went into it and um, at the campsite where I was, there were a list of birds. I've got blue tits, great tits, starlings, rooks, ravens, black caps. Uh, Goldfinches. There was about ten or fifteen different varieties of birds. Just and I'm just laid in my bed. The early hours of this morning, with this app going, and I can identify <laughs> all the bird songs in this app. And it's uh, it's a wonderful thing, and it's a free <laughs> app as well.
0: Yeah. Oh wow, Kevin! You know what that is? You know why that's such a funny curveball to me? Would you believe Margie and I, and I, this spring, have been using that app? And have this conversation on a regular basis. That's hysterical. That (laughs) there must—I swear, Joe. There's a reason why people listen to podcasts because they relate to people. And something that would have been a curveball is something (laughs) Kevin and I (laughs) share. That's we must have some similar personalities.
2: That's great. I'm going to definitely check out the app. And the third one, which is a bit of a plug for a company that I've had some dealings with, EcoFlow. Now, I said about this trailer I got, and I told Kurt about it, I have an electrical system in it, whereas a lot of these uh, caravans, um, trailers, RVs, all these sort of things have these massive electrical systems and expense and dollars are going everywhere. Well, I wanted something simple, and I bought this thing called an EcoFlow power bank. And it's basically a small case with a plug socket on the front a USB, a USB-C, or two USBs, USB-C, and you can charge this unit from the mains in your house, you can charge it from solar, which I do, or you can charge it when you're driving your car. Now, they come in several different sizes. They come like the small one I've got, which will run a little refrigerator all weekend when we're away, and we'll charge our phones. Right up to these big bad boys that are thousands of dollars and will run a small house. So for somebody like Kurt that might have an electric electricity cut, instead of having a petrol generator, you buy one of these EcoFlows, you charge it up when you've got energy or you use solar panels to charge it. And then when you've got no electric, you can plug it in. And it, this thing will, but man, this will. some of these will burn some electric. They really will still, you can run big appliances on it.
0: And Tommy, how much did that cost
2: in your fake money? Right. The one I've got is two hundred and sixty nine pounds, so around three hundred dollars, right? It's only a small Kay. only a small one. They go up to I think around I think the big ones are about four or five thousand pounds. But this is mm. why I want to plug the the Ecoflow as a company. This product will charge in forty five minutes from flat. It's a fantastic. It's a, it's a lithium LiPo 4 battery. It's got an estimated 10-year life. You can use all the battery, not like a leisure battery where you can use 50% of the power. You haven't got to worry about wiring. You just plug your your domestic appliance into it. If you overload a domestic appliance, it just won't work. So if you're putting something in, just draw in, say, 2,000 watts on a small one like mine, it'll only do 600 watts. Oh, the bigger ones are do kilowatts worth of power. But they will charge at such a speed. It's incredible at the mains. So guess what I do? I've got two of these now. I've just ordered another one. So I take one with me, fully charged. Use my use it over the weekend. Now, if it goes flat, I go to a coffee shop. If, I, if, if it's raining outside and I can't get any solar, I go to a coffee shop. Can I plug in and charge up? yeah sure, no problem. Plug it in, drink a cup of coffee forty five minutes. I've got a full power bank, and that will do me two more days. Fantastic fantastic technology. love it. I had an issue with my first one. I phoned eco I said it there's this problem, there's that problem it doesn't seem to be doing this or that. I went, right, okay, fine, I said I need really needed it like for this weekend. okay, can you get to an argus now, Joe Argus is a weird. Store it. It's one of these stores that's got nothing at the front, and you have to go there and just take. You order it online and buy it anyway. We we own Argus, the company I work for, and I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, there's an Argus on the way to work. Uh, I'm going up to motorbikes. So I'm going to Silverstone, so there's an Argus in up. The, okay, Abister. Okay, we're we're sending one there for you. Pick it up on your way. Nice. I said, right, okay. Mm. What do we do? The old one? Oh, send that back. We'll see if we can repair it. Sent it back picked up my new one two weeks later got a delivery they sent me my other one back repaired so oh, now yeah, you two have for two for the price of one yeah awesome wow. they repaired it it's been working too yeah it's working nice it, it was it was something to do with the inverter but they went out of their way when i needed it because i think you know i don't need it half a dozen times a year i don't want to put a system in my trailer because mm. if i put it in my trailer it's just going to sit in there and I'm only going to use it when I use it. But this, guess what? When my son goes night fishing, he can take it with him to the beach. We can take it with us to the beach. We've got a fridge we can take in the car if we want to go out for days. It's portable. And I mean, it really it really is portable All what I've got. So you can take it anywhere and do anything with it. So I just think that they are a great resource. I mean, I'm just charging up today after coming back the weekend on the solar power. I expect it's charged out there now. Mm, nice for free. Nice. Love it,
0: Kevin. Good job. All right, guys, we're going to finish up with our quote for the week, Joe.
1: My quote comes from an author, Steve Maraboli. Uh, He's written several books and he's a motivational speaker and life coach, that kind of guy. But I love what he says here uh, about anxiety and stress and so forth. I promise you nothing is as chaotic as it seems. Nothing is worth your health. Nothing is worth poisoning yourself into stress, anxiety, and fear. Steve Maraboli. That's so true. We didn't. We've talked about this before, but
0: this disorder, anxiety, depression, physically impacts you, and don't kid yourself that it doesn't. Great quote, Joe. Kevin.
2: Oh, I've got one. I I won't quote who it's from, but let's see how far I get through it before you guys recognize it. Never before in the history of human conflict has so much been owed by so many to so few. Sir Winston Churchill.
0: (laughs) I knew this. Yeah. Thank you for bringing Winston Churchill. I was looking... He's great for a quote, man. Joe and I have a favorite quote from Winston Churchill. Joe, do you know what that is? If you're going through Through hell?
2: hell...
1: Keep Keep going. going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What was the British sign that was all over?
1: Oh, keep calm. What is it? Keep Keep calm and keep going.
0: Yeah. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah,
1: Keep calm and carry on.
0: I love that one too. I'll give you my quote before we thank Kevin for coming on. This has been a fantastic episode and Joe can take us out after my quote. Promise me you'll always remember you're braver than you believe And stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. And I don't know if you recognize that, Kevin, but that is from Christopher Robin from Winnie the Pooh. Love it, (laughs) love it. As Disney fans, I'd bring you that. That one stuck out to me as I was looking. Guys, thank you so much, Kevin, for bringing the topic to us. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I think I've even learned something and got to be cognizant of our mental health, even if we're. Just regular dudes trying to get through everyday life.
1: Kevin, I'm glad I know you. I'm glad <laughs> we're friends, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you're in our lives. You're a you're a good guy. With uh, I, I just like the way you think. So thanks for coming on and talking with us. Absolutely no problem. It's a joy. Our website is dudesinprogress.com. dot com. dot com. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at dudes at dudesinprogress.com that's dudes at dudesinprogress.com you'll find uh, links to our facebook page there you'll find links on how to support the show if you want to support the show Uh, links you can there's even a page to uh, contact us there so dudesinprogress.com is our website and our email address is dudes at dudesinprogress.com and as we depart for this week let's remember progress is better than perfection so keep moving forward
0: Joe, I think we did pretty good because we phoned a friend this week, but I think we'll try to even do better next week. Thanks, Kevin.
1: No problem, sir. Have a good day, boys. Talk to you soon, my friends.